0: Uh, We're super excited to host this event. This is a very important topic to us. Um, You know, as the pandemic through the last year has shown, uh, one of the key things is, you know, mental health. And, you know, a lot of things have moved from in-person to teletherapy as well. So quick thing about what we do at DirectShifts. you know, we connect clinicians to employers for short-term or long-term opportunities, we use a lot of technology and AI to, to filter out and parse and do the matching behind the scenes so that you know employers can find excellent candidates.
1: As I mentioned, Mental Health Awareness Month is is huge for the industry of healthcare. And also given that we have a global pandemic. Um, so we have we're working very closely with BetterHelp this month and have been for a little while now. Um, So Ori, do you want to just say a few words on on BetterHelp and and how you help teletherapists to help grow their teletherapy practice?
2: Uh, We are part of Teladoc, which is the largest telehealth company in the US. And our mission is really to make what we call professional counselling accessible, affordable, convenient. So anyone who struggles with any life challenges can get help anytime and anywhere. Um, We have been helping more, almost 2 million people so far to get help. And we are seeing a tremendous growth in demand for our services as a teletherapy platform. Personally, uh, my background is in business and and marketing and sales. I'm coming from companies like BetterHelp and other companies in technology or in digital health uh, background. So I'm very excited about being being here with you and talking about mental health and what BetterHelp is doing um, nowadays to help people and help clients get um, find therapy quickly and and find therapists that matches their needs in a quick and affordable way. Um, One word of cautious, I am not a therapist, so I will be speaking uh, on behalf of BetterHelp and our experience and and our work with a lot of therapists. Thank you again.
1: Okay, thanks Laurie. Great, George, if you wanted to say a few words, give a little introduction on yourself and your background in the industry, please.
3: Uh, Yes, my firm is Anderson and Anderson. We're based in the Brentwood Hills section of Los Angeles. I'm actually uh, 83 years old, and I've been practicing psychotherapy since 1971. Uh, I began, I was trained at Smith College School for Social Work, and was selected by Harvard University School of Medicine, one of eight persons to be trained in child psychotherapy without a medical degree. I stayed on at Harvard for five years, and then I was invited to become a lecturer in child psychotherapy at UCLA School of Medicine, the Neuropsychiatric Institute, and so that we, my wife and I, and our organization provided inpatient and outpatient psychotherapy um, for twelve in twelve states. We had corporate contracts like uh, United Airlines, British Airways, Mexican, and so on. And I was actually on Hillary uh, Clinton's task force on healthcare. And uh, what happened, of course, is that once we developed and managed healthcare, organizations like mine uh, basically disappeared. And so I reinvented myself by writing a curriculum on batteries intervention and later was asked to write a curriculum for anger management. And then finally, in 2008, I was asked to write a curriculum for emotional intelligence coaching for what was described as disruptive physicians. And so we're now offering those services both in the United States and Saudi Arabia. We still provide um, psychotherapy and I'm very, very much encouraged by the opportunities that exist now for this to be done virtually as opposed to what we had been doing for many years. Thanks for for this opportunity.
1: Thank you, George. A lot of curriculums there. Sounds like a lot of PhDs. Um, okay, and then last but not least, um, until hopefully we can get what see what happen, is happening with Steve and our other, other panellists. But Sarah, I'm just going to ask you now to give a little intro on yourself and your experience in the industry.
4: Hi. Oh, you have to excuse me. I have such bad allergies today. <clears throat> um, my name is Sarah. I'm on social media as the social social worker. I um, produce videos, interviews with um, mental health professionals, life coaches, and other helping professionals uh, on my YouTube channel and Instagram page to shine a spotlight on the contributions that they're making uh, to the mental health field and also to the social work and helping professionals field. And it's such an honor to be here today to speak a little bit about my experience with technology and learn from others as well.
1: Lovely. Thank you, Sarah. I'm just posting over. Um, so the panelists that we have today, I've just included their, their links and uh, where, how you can connect with them on LinkedIn. So everybody in the audience. Um, so they're over there if you wanted to to be able to con- connect with anybody directly from the panel. Um, okay, great. I just, I'm quickly going to see if we have Stephen that's come into there he is okay sometimes people come in through as an attendee so fantastic i'm going to move him out over to the panel and he's there joining us from new york what a great view <laughs> yeah
5: um okay um so i'm an lmsw and a ksac um I have about 10 years of experience um, been doing telehealth for the past 14 months and um uh, I have uh, I've specialized in substance abuse treatment, but not exclusively. And um, I guess that's about it.
1: Oh, he's being humble. He's got a lot more to share than that, everybody. But that was a good intro. Thank you, Stephen. Um, okay, so I'm now going to just just remind the audience this is an, an open panel. We really want people to be engaged in in the questions throughout. So if you have any questions, just down the bottom, you should see there's a little chat and a Q&A. So you can either directly in the chat or the Q&A. It can be confusing, so either or is fine. We'll see your questions there. Um, throughout the panel, please feel free to share anything in there and then we will be opening it up more questions more to the audience at the end. Um, okay, so the first um, question that I wanted to raise around is around what we're all living through and have been living through, which is a global health pandemic. So um, I wanted to reach out, well, extend an arm um, to both Ori, who's here from Better Health, and then Sai as well, maybe, if you wanted to share, because you kind of already did earlier, but mostly towards Ori. So in relation to mental health and the pandemic and what the world has been going through, how do you see that this has had an impact on the industry of mental health workers and therapists, um, given that that's their area of, of expertise as a mental professional, saying knowing that so many people are unsure how to deal with this kind of pandemic.
2: You know, I think we've we've all seen this has been a very, um, <clears throat> a very long and tough year since uh, I would say March, April last year when actually the pandemic started and we were forced to stay at home, isolate ourselves and avoid contact, avoid seeing friends, not going to work and, and I think, and, and kind of really changing the way we think, the way we live and at BetterHelp as a company that offers consumers access to mental health, we have seen um, tremendous growth in demand, unprecedented growth actually in demand in the month of April and May last year. Um, lots of people the, you know, were complaining obviously that their level of, of st- stress and anxiety has gone up. People were concerned about their health, of course, with the pandemic, the livelihood, loneliness has become a big issue. And we also we also saw people are coming in with um, complaining about increase of substance use and overall, I think we're seeing in the industry, the number of suicides has increased. So really it's it's been a very, um, tough year in terms of mental health of of the American people. Uh, We look at the U.S. mainly. What we've seen also is like, uh, typically 25% of the American population has some kind of a diagnosable mental health uh, issue. And I think in the last 12 months, or so we've seen this this number grows to almost like 40%. So hopefully it will go down later on, but definitely it's been a a very tough year on a lot of people. And when we say a lot of people, also therapists. So we're working with a lot of therapists. Uh, We have around 19,000 therapists working on the BetterHelp platform. And we hear that this not only impacts their clients, but also impacted them themselves, right? They're suffering now from the same similar issues they're concerned about their livelihood they have to adapt now and start working you know part of the topic here is teletherapy so they have started they have to start working on seeing patients remotely and adjusting to this new world and I think um, you know definitely had its toll on everyone and and last comment just about internationally obviously people internationally have been seeing suffering the same um, same issues of being experiencing the same problems in the last year with the covid-19 and we're seeing this especially with um, clients coming from english speaking countries and seeking help and some of the reason that they're seeking help in in the us is because their systems their healthcare systems were overloaded uh, with with demand or with with support Need there in those countries, and, and they're looking for therapists in, in the US to, to help them. So, I think obviously it's been a, had a COVID had a tremendous impact on, on mental health. And we hope that, you know, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully it will help. But yeah, you know, we're here, and I think everybody else is here to help people and then help them through the process.
1: Yes, thanks, Ori. And I think that's a really good point to make. The ones on the people on the front lines, they also experience difficulties throughout the pandemic, even though they're they're most of the ones extending an arm to help. So definitely um, agree with you there. So then talking about teletherapy, obviously it has grown and extended so much in the course of 12 months, but teletherapy was around for quite a while. So post-pandemic, and I'll, I'll reach this out to you, Sarah, Stephen, or George, do we think that teletherapy is, is here to stay? Do you think people will return back to where you were in the office? Or do you think teletherapy is going, here mostly as a form of, of the new way that ter- teletherapy will be conducted?
3: That I actually work with the uh, physicians uh, who are increasingly being burnt out. And so that one of the things that we have seen is the largest number of physicians ever in the United States that are seeking to retire early or to do less or move away from clinical practice, some other form of providing uh, services. And that is precisely why we got the largest contract that I've ever heard of in Saudi Arabia. It was because the Saudi Arabians decided that they wanted to directly address the issue of physician burnout. And so that we actually are doing emotional intelligence assessment and coaching for burnout as well as leadership. And it's for 10 hospitals in Saudi Arabia. And so that one of the problems that is going to occur going forward is that there's going to be an increasing need on the part of all countries for more physicians and healthcare workers. And some of the um perhaps anticipated um, side effects, in addition to the stress, it's actually more than stress. It's post-traumatic stress disorder, just like being in uh, combat. And so do I think that there's going to be a move back to office practice? Somewhat. But it's far more efficient and less expensive for me, for example, to offer the services that I'm doing in Saudi Arabia than having to go to Dubai or some place in Saudi Arabia.
1: Wow, interesting comments. Um, Sarah, in terms of, I mean, you have most domain expertise here with the social media online world. Um, What are your thoughts around the future of therapy by way of teletherapy? Do you think it's here to stay? Do you think this is something that's temporary? What are your thoughts, please?
4: I definitely think that uh, it's here to stay, but in a hybrid model, um, there's something to say about seeing a person face-to-face and being able to interact with them and seeing more than just the screenshot that, you know, we see on the computer. However, um, with it being online, you can make your office anywhere. You can be at your house, you can be in an office, which for some uh, clinicians, overhead of having an office can be extremely expensive. And so, if you're able to move your practice completely online, so I think that it's going to be a hybrid model. And as we move forward, technology will definitely be here to stay. Great. Thank you, Sarah. Stephen,
1: yes. Your thoughts?
5: Uh, yeah, um, I can, I, I mean, I tend to agree with what George and, and Sarah are saying that, uh, you know, from, from the uh, clinician's point of view, it, it, it certainly can make sense to not have to travel, not have to maintain an office, um, you know, all of that is uh, absolutely true. I would say, in addition, from the client's point of view, some of the clients actually are now, maybe not initially, but now, uh, you know, happy not to have to travel. Uh, not to have to pay uh, transit, not have to worry about parking, uh, gas or tolls or, or uh, subway and bus fares, you know, however nominal. I mean, I've had clients say, you know, they're, they're perfectly happy to, you know, go from their kitchen to their uh, living room and sit down and open up the laptop and not have to worry about how much time it takes or what it costs to get there. So I, I think from, I, I agree, I think we'll be seeing a hybrid because certainly some patients will prefer to return to the office. And there's a lot to be said for us as clinicians. Um, You know, I kind of miss the the collegial interaction with other clients, I mean with other uh, therapists, Uh, you know, bounce things around. Hey, I saw somebody today. But some of that can be done, you know, know, uh, by uh, online with other therapists, uh, bouncing things around, group meetings, things like that, staff meetings. Uh, but I do think it'll be a hybrid, and I think that there'll be clients that'll prefer to keep things the way they are for mm-hmm. various practical reasons. If they feel they're getting value,
1: yes. Why not? Yes, I I think with every industry, every profession, there is a there has been a, a transition in the way that everyone's working completely from home. So, with that said, um, let's I'd love to hear some thoughts and some examples of how do you go from zero to one. So if you are a therapist, you're in the audience and you have only ever been working with in-person clients or patients, how do you then get your first client? And maybe what is that process like? You could shine, any of you could shine some light on some examples you've had or, you know, how much needs to, what do, you, what do people need to do to get that first client and to start their first ever teletherapy session? Um, maybe, George, did you want to give us some insights?
3: Yes. One of the things that has worked well for me for many years is to begin with a niche. You need to identify a niche and master that niche. And so instead of practicing after I got my first degree, my master's degree, I went for postgraduate training. Then I started to practice. And so that I became recognized as being knowledgeable in child and adolescent psychotherapy but I've done exceptionally well for almost 50 years.
1: Great, thank you, George. Um, Sarah, in your experience going from, how are you getting the first client or the first patient um, and some insights there
4: from you? Social media has been like the background, re- the backbone of everything that I do. It's how I've been able to network. It's how I've been able to start a brand um, and connect with direct shifts and, and other mental health and helping professionals. I think just like uh, George said, knowing what your niche is and focusing on that will really make you seem credible and people will start to um, believe in what you're practicing and start referring people to you as well.
1: Great. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, I, I think there are a lot of overlaps between building a brand and starting with your first client. Absolutely. I'll come back to that point shortly. Um, but then, Okay, so once you get your first patient, uh, some of the, I think it's important always as you change the way that you work, maybe even with some existing clients, um, what are some advantages and disadvantages you might need to communicate with your patients um, just before you start working in this kind of way? Um, Obviously, confidentiality is a one, but still maintaining that professionalism, um, just letting your patients know that's, Yeah, some examples there. I'm not sure. Maybe um, George or Stephen or even Ori, if you could jump in and shine some light there. How best to communicate a new process of working with your patients? Okay, Stephen, Uh, I'll point at you. I can spotlight people. (laughs) I'm used to quiet mouses, so don't worry. I'll be flagging people.
5: You know, 14 months ago, um, it was brand new and uh, rather awkward it was awkward for me. It was awkward for clients, uh, you know, uh, establishing the, uh, you know, the uh, connection. But what I've found over the these, uh, you know, past several months is that clients have become very comfortable with it, and so have we. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I've been using Zoom, Doxime, FaceTime, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the client uh, had. Uh, or. The agency that I was working with might uh, have uh, insisted upon. Uh, you know, I used all of these different uh, media, and um, you know, I think the clients have gotten quite used to it. I think, uh, you know, look, 14 months ago, who who had heard of Zoom? You know, who nobody, you know, right? Uh, but but now uh, people are using it for all kinds of things, including, uh, you know, being in touch with family and friends, not just. The therapy uh or you know with their primary care physician my my primary care physician does uh, does uh, zoom sessions <laughs> you know who, who would have thought you know or you know, events I, like this <laughs> yeah his office is walking distance you know from where i live but we're, we're doing zoom sessions um in any event um uh you know it, it was awkward at first but i think uh, clients are used to it um some will never want to be part of it and some will prefer it and um you know i, I think it's the wave of the future yeah i would like to wave of the present
1: please do george actually, um as just one quick question, one thing I wanted to say. Any audience that's listening in, anyone I'm sure, I know most of you are therapists. If you have any questions or any comments as well, please share them over in the chat and the questions. We'd love to hear those from you too. Um, okay, George, sorry about that, please.
3: The uh, pandemic, and it's because it was my idea to write a curriculum and began coaching physician. It was actually a formal request that was made by a hospital chain out of Dallas, Texas, that explained at the beginning that they had 68 hospitals in the U S and they did not want to have an adversarial relationship with their physicians because something that happened in 2008 was a demand or a new mandate by a joint commission on the accreditation of healthcare organization that said every health organization in the U S must have written policy as to how they will address physicians whose behavior at work risk patient safety. And they called it disruptive behavior. So from the very beginning, I had to be introduced to Zoom because I couldn't expect every physician to travel from wherever they are in the U.S. uh, to my home or to uh, my office. And so that it really, really works well for me. And I believe that the hybrid that may occur later would be a combination of the two. Ideally, I would rather have my first contact uh, face-to-face, and subsequent quest, uh, sessions via the internet or um, some virtual uh, format.
1: Yes, interesting. Um, thanks, George, for sharing. I, I then just want to jump over to the next question, which for me is really what I love out of webinars and listening to to stories of people that have gone through something that I'm looking to do myself is tangible experience. So, As we're talking about how to build your own practice as a teletherapist and how to grow possibly already an existing practice uh what what are some of the tools that each of you have used whether Sarah it might be social media George it might be um, I'm not too sure you where, where yours would come in um Ori I know you would have a few comments here but in terms of the actual resources that you could look at that could be a tech stack of software it could be social media uh, it could be a marketing plan, building your own personal brand, but what are some of the tangible resources or tools that therapists could, in the audience could use to build their own practice or get a start on it?
3: For me is social media. And so the thing that I've been doing for three weeks is just blown my mind completely. I've been putting simple polls on LinkedIn. The last one was on the seventh. I asked simple I put a simple a poll. And so far, it's over 9,000 responses to the poll. And so what it does is that it increases my internet presence. And so that if you look at any of the niches that I work in, I do very, very well. It doesn't matter which uh, search engine or which country that it's in. And so that, remember, I was already doing this before there was social media. But for me, that's the only way to go. You have to build your personal brand using social media and become an absolute expert. I don't trust anyone for doing that work for me. I do that for
4: myself.
1: Yeah, Sarah, I'm sure you've got some, some comments to shine on here from social the social perspective.
4: Well, like George said, social media is Everything Uh, you can connect with people from all corners of the world and be able to have a conversation in real time, which is something that wasn't possible, you know, a long time ago. So it's great to be bringing people together from all over. Um, What's also amazing about social media is it's free. Being able to Google and say like, how does this algorithm work, or how can I connect with these people? It's not a money and It's not going to cause you to drain a lot of your personal or like business finances. Um, The key is just having time management. And that's something that when we're juggling clients and trying to build a brand sometimes goes to the wayside, um, and me, myself included. um, Sometimes you forget that if we don't put ourselves first and promote our own personal brand, then it becomes very difficult to find new clients or make new connections.
1: Thanks, Sarah. I mean, it sounds like a lot of work as well. And I'm sure it's difficult. the business side of, of, how, of telehealth and teletherapy might be for if you are looking to build your own practice, a huge burden or a huge, heavy um, chunk of your time is spent on building your brand, building your practice. Ori, I'd love to hear some words from you around BetterHelp and how platforms and companies like BetterHelp can take that time from the therapist and allow the therapist to save that time and then focus what's important, which are their patients and giving the best practice and service they can.
2: Referring clients or getting clients. Um, so better help has been around for 80 years and, and we actually created a platform that provides all the tools that are necessary to run your teletherapy practice, if we can call it that way. Um, so, you know Steve Steve mentioned before he has to he's using FaceTime and Zoom and maybe Doxia me and, and others here on, on BetterHelp basically the platform includes text messaging, video chat, worksheets, tools, billing. Um, we, we kind of, what we've done and what we've learned from a lot of the counselors is that they really love providing therapy. A lot of them are not a, maybe George does is excited and Sarah both of them are excited about social media and marketing, but a lot of them are not marketeers or they don't want to be marketeers. They don't want to spend their time looking for clients and putting together the technology that's needed. And and BetterHelp, there's there's from one side the platform that includes pretty much everything that's needed. And on the other side is we are going out there and bringing in members we're bringing in clients and referring them to our to our therapists or therapists that work on BetterHelp that's not our therapists these are uh, therapists who join BetterHelp and and when we so we as at BetterHelp actually spend millions of dollars every month on acquiring new members when members come to BetterHelp what they do is they go through a 30 to 40 different questions that they have to answer. And at the end of this process, we're matching them with the right licensed therapist that's available on the platform based on their preferences, based on their needs, based on, on the task in hand. So I think it's that's why kind of BetterHelp, when we talk about teletherapy, BetterHelp is is unique in the in, in the, fa- in the is very unique because it also brings in the 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 clients so basically we can create or bring in almost what we call unlimited referrals to our counselors because we are just doing a lot of work on on going out there and clients in need and offering them to to join BetterHelp and find and, and seek the right support that they need on on BetterHelp so just couple of comments that I wanted to mention both on the technology side but also on the marketing side
1: yeah thanks Ori. Um, Steven, do you any resources or tools uh, technology software or even business acumen skills that have worked for you in the past that you could share with our panel speaker I um, sorry audiences
5: well actually um, I really don't I agencies and uh, facilities that were doing all the referring. So it it wasn't on me to uh, be out there. I have used uh, psychology today, but it didn't uh, produce any results. And I uh, used uh, open path, which produced results. But um, when I moved from one agency to another, uh, the open path Maximum fee was not going to work for that agency. So uh, because they have a maximum of $60 a session. So um, that was the uh, that was the end of that. Um, So I can't really offer much else.
1: No, that's fine. Thank you. Um, And that's why I wanted to, you know, run this panel. So it is quite hard to build your own practice. I come from the background of venture capital and innovation to scale anything is difficult. Um, I do now have a question from the audience actually. So uh, this, I don't have the name, sorry, but that's, I think Stephanie Wayne. Um, How does one start getting referrals from psychology today? I'm not getting any calls. Uh, so, Stephen, you mentioned, I think you just mentioned psychology today or another platform. Has anyone on the panel had experience with psychology today um, in building your practice or getting uh, patients from there?
3: In addition to doing traditional psychotherapy, it may be worthwhile to think about additional ancillary uh, services that clinicians can offer. And so that I give you three things or four that are trending now. One, this morning before this, I listened to the news in LA and the focus was on a dramatic increase in road rates. In Los Angeles County, dramatic increase in road rates. And so that that's not an issue that needs to be or can successfully be addressed with traditional counseling or psychotherapy. It could be something that one may specialize in doing as a side hustle. The other one would be batterers intervention. These are mandated clients who come from the court based on the crime of family violence. Another one is parenting. Same thing. People who abuse their kids are automatically mandated for uh, parenting classes. And as um, Steve has mentioned, substance abuse. And so that the same person who beats his wife or is involved in road roadways and so on, often um, uses chemicals um, to reduce the stress. And I think that those are some of the ancillary areas that we may consider adding to our areas of focus.
1: I did just quickly now want to move on being mindful of time. Um, In terms of the legal side, data privacy, security concerns, all of that, Every single company at the moment, every person that works independently online, that's something that you you have to be aware of. So when you're also working in such a high confidentiality profession like tele, like therapy, uh, anyone maybe George, you want I know that you you could shine some light here, but also Stephen, Sarah, um, what are some things that you, the, the, the therapist should really be mindful of in terms of that side of, of working in the industry of teletherapy.
5: One of the things I think we have to be conscious of um, is that when you start, when you're the host and, and as the therapist, we would be the host, the um, Zoom session might automatically be recorded. And that can be a concern for a client. And, you know, you may want to stop the recording at the beginning of the session so that they don't see that red dot blinking at the top, which might make them self-conscious.
3: Many of the physicians that I see are mandated. And so it's very, very critical that I'm candid with them at the very beginning. And so that if they do not sign a release of confidential information, that means that I provide no feedback whatsoever to the person who may have made the referral and may be paying the fee. And so I've not had any problems with that at all because I also have contracts with major medical schools. And so I think that just being clear in terms of what you can and can't do makes it easier because a problem with physicians is that they shy away from counseling or psychotherapy because it could be an issue that might cause one to lose his or her license to practice.
1: Yeah, that's a big one. Yes. Um, thank you. Uh, Sarah, did you want to share anything? If not, I have um, a couple of questions that are also
4: coming through from, from the audience. No, I mean, the biggest thing that I can, I guess add to that is just being conscious of your own boundaries. And, you know, with technology, it's so easy to bring into our homes now. So it's very easy for us to double book or to say, yes, I can see you at eight o'clock in the morning. But because you have the computer right there, um, there's no real physical boundaries inhibiting you from seeing more and more clients. So just being conscious of your own boundaries and, and the stress that you are able to take on
1: yeah i think that's a really good point knowing our limits as and also as a professional still maintaining yourself in the best way so you can you can help others and know your own boundaries that's a really important point for all of us i think not just therapists or building mm-hmm. your practice but anyone that works with technology um no. or did you want just... to say anything any, any yeah, words?
2: I just add one, one more comment about security and obviously is a technology company that provides a platform uh we pay a lot of attention to the security and uh, we have a security team that's really responsible to maintain security across the platform every interaction is secured encrypted um like like you know was mentioned here whether the session is recorded so No, we don't record any session. We care a lot about PHI and PII. We care a lot about member data. Everything is encrypted. Um, People that work for us cannot even look at what's going on the platform. It's all encrypted. So I think, you know, when people, like you said, when therapists go on and looking for a solution, whether it's uh, other tools or just using FaceTime, or they have to think about it. Where, what do I do with the data? Where is it stored? Does somebody, and go in and, and look at this and make sure that they definitely think about security all the time because we know that this is a, a this is becoming a major major issue for every service provider at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, data it rules out runs our lives these days. Data and technology. Thank you, Lori, for sharing those. Um, I have a couple of questions that have just come in from the audience. So um, we have hit the time, 3.45. Um, If the panelists are okay to stay on until four or just to answer a couple of questions with the audience, I'd love to now move over and and we can start those questions coming through from the audience. So if you have to jump off, just let me know Um, for everybody that's that's listening in. I've included in the chat over here on the, the side, whichever side it is for you all, um, how to connect with the panel speakers. Um, and you'll be receiving an email from us at the end of the event. Thanking you for attending and you'll be able to access everybody there as well. Um, so now I'm just going to share from, from Lynn Edwards. Um, Lynn has shared that there are many advantages to Zoom for both client and therapist, which we have, have already arrived at. She wanted to hear from you folks if you've had any experience developing new or altered old, in, old techniques. Because of the format, so I think what Lynn's trying to say is in the way that you give your practice using this new mode of therapy of tele sorry technology in your practice. Have you have you had to alter the way that you are giving the techniques that you're working with, or have been using?
5: Well, I I would say that um, you know I've been able to do some things by this technique that I would never have wound up doing in an office face to face. You, you know, you, you, I, I assume everybody's kind of familiar with pet therapy. Um, you know, I've had I had clients who were in a nursing home patients in a in long-term intensive residential nursing home um, who missed their pets. You know, they've been quarantined. They're not allowed any visitors. They're not allowed to go to the dining room. They're not allowed to go to a social hall. Um, so I have a dog and a parrot here in my home, and um, I've I've brought the dog in for them to see. Uh, one of the clients told me she loves birds. I brought my parrot in for her to see and um, just put a smile on their face. And you got somebody who's been quarantined for, you know, the better part of a year, stuck in a room. And much of the time with a roommate, they couldn't stand. Uh, to be able to put a smile on on somebody's face uh, was a big help. You know, that was a win. You know, they, they were geriatric, most of them uh said she'd um, always wish she could have gone to new york to visit new york city to see the big apple well, she wasn't able to do that anymore she wasn't going anywhere well i changed the virtual background to uh, have a scene of new york city you know with the statue of liberty and the skyscrapers and i gave her a little tour of new york um you know this kind of concrete service you know made a big difference and it, you know and and it, It also you know demonstrates to a client you're really listening you you know you're really listening to what's going on with them you know they really wish they could see something do something is it as nice as actually having the doggy to pet well no but it it was certainly a big help
1: yeah thanks stephen um i think i might even start planning something for virtual reality in the world of teletherapy i think that could be something that we'll eventually move into very shortly um Sarah has to jump. Um, she's actually got another meeting coming up after. So just wanted to say thank you, Sarah. Um, I'll follow up with you after the event. Thanks so much for joining us.
4: Thank you, Faye. And thank you, everybody who participated in this panel. It was wonderful hearing all of your stories and all of the impacts that you're doing for the mental health uh, profession. So thank you all very much. Have a good day. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah.
0: Bye.
4: We have
1: some great comments from Dr. Donita Lesto. Um, sounds like you're a positive advocate for teletherapy so i'm really glad to see that um one comment i sort of wanted to make is being from the younger generation um i think teletherapy moving forward into the future for years to come and and even in the short term just the way that people in general and humanity engages with and leans on technology i think for the future of like what will be my children my younger brothers this is going to be a huge, a a huge part of the way of mental health, whether it's in the professional practice side of therapy or how you subscribe to therapy. Um, I think teletherapy is going, something that's going to continue to be very, very prominent um, in the world. Okay. Sorry. I'm just looking for questions. Um, Anyone in the audience, if you wanted now to share any other questions, feel free. It's open floor. Um, As we're finding these, if, Maybe George or Stephen, if you wanted to share any insights with anybody on maybe some personal stories or something you could share from your experience of, of maybe when you first got into teletherapy or some things that you just wish you had of known. Someone could have told you, hey, be mindful of this before you start in teletherapy. Um, any stories you could share? We always love to hear the personal experience.
3: <laughs> well, I have lots of stories to share based on being a senior citizen. But one that's unusual, I hope it is accepted as it's meant, just an unusual experience. I was teaching at UCLA and part of my responsibility was to supervise psychiatric residents and fellows on their treatment with children and adolescents. And so that uh, in meeting with one of my residents, he says, I feel bad about you. And I said, pardon? He said, you are my teacher and you charge $50 an hour, and I charge $150 an hour. He says, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. And I didn't know what to do with that information, but the one thing that I did was I increased my fee. And I finally learned that I could increase my fee just based on the quality of services that I did. And so that I tell you now, I work with physicians, my fees and you can see on my website because i don't hide my fees are 500 an hour and i have never had a person question or complain because of back to what i said at the beginning i believe that we should go all out to master our niche so whatever it is you do you want to be recognized as being really really good so what people say now is anderson is very expensive but they don't complain about paying it. They pay it anyway. So I don't know whether that's something that's worth sharing, but I did. And I hope it's perceived in a positive rather than a negative light.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you, George. Um, So something I just learned, which is really interesting. So thank you for the question, the the answer that came in. I have a terrible spider phobia and I actually live in at the moment in Central America. I'm in Mexico right now. Um, My boyfriend is a surfer. And he will sometimes send me photos of when he's on the way to surf in some crazy reef break. And he'll send me a photo of a triangular I freak out completely. So um, who was that? Someone just said, Barbara, virtual reality is being used for phobias. So I just wanted to say thanks for letting me know. I will be researching that right after. Um,
5: but there is something I, I, I you know, would like to just uh, share. Um, I had a client who was telling me everything was just hunky-dory, you know, everything was great. She was, uh, you know, um, it, you know, if it had been a phone conversation, I would have assumed that everything was just terrific for her. But because we were on a telehealth call with video, I was able to see body language and see that there was something else going on. And I, you know, uh, tactfully pressed on that to ask her, you know, what's really happening? And she became transparent and told me that she was really upset about something, but had put on this antic disposition to mask it. And, you know, if this had been a a phone session, I wouldn't have had any way of knowing there was something going on with her. But this was a distinct, uh, you know, video.
1: Um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. I know a lot of people in, the, in education with children are having just that problem at the moment. Um, so I think engaging or having anyone where you're working with in a, in a tele mode is re- engagement is, is a really important thing to be mindful of. Um, so, yeah, if we had any other comments on that. I know Sai, you could also as a founder and CEO um, with, your, with our employees or, or you could also share something, some, some light there as well think people engaged in therapy, teletherapy?
0: Look, I think, you know, as a company, you know, we also went remote over the last year and, you know, one of the common things which we have utilized as a company is over communication, you know, a lot more training and, you know, just utilization of more and more of these tools, just be more patient and cognizant of all of this. That is something which has helped us immensely. Um, you know, I think, know, not being afraid, just, you know, not being afraid to pick up the phone or Slack or any of these channels and basically, you know, call each other and talk about that. That's been helpful. And also, I think, you know, um, you know, it it might be really helpful. Um, Like, you know, therapists is something that we have seen as a demand from employers go up tremendously. You know, we have seen nursing go up through the pandemic over the years, you know, last year physicians frontline workers you know therapists um, my wife's a physician and I could see her you know being a frontline worker she's an emergency medicine physician I could see the amount of stress that she went through you know talking to therapists I think you know has helped overall there so overall I think you know and I I think the question might also be like you know how can we um, as a community provide more tools in, in terms of training for either for patients, but also for therapists, so that, like, you know, remote therapy and th- things like that, you know, some of the experts, like, you know, what, uh, Stephen and some people do here, we could definitely provide that as, you know, it might be helpful to the community as well. There. Those are my few thoughts there.
1: Yes. Thank you, Sai. Um, okay. So as we're clo- coming to a close with just a couple of minutes before we wrap up the event, um, I just wanted to extend a a huge thank you to all of our panellists for your amazing insights today um, and also to our audience. Thank you for engaging with us. I've learned some things I didn't know uh, and always seem to to have a lot of great things to see after after events like these. I especially wanted to say thank you to Ori, who was just... um, let us know that for everybody that's attended at this event, there's an exclusive offer and a bonus to sign up with BetterHelp um, just for the audience that's here today. I'll be sending that out in an email, but I'll also put the link over here where you can join that in, in the chat. Um, so if there's any other comments from anybody else, I just again wanted to say thanks for sharing time with us this afternoon. And I hope that you you had some good tangible takeaways from, from the discussion today.
2: Thank you awesome
0: thank you all
1: we'll be having more of these if you have any ideas of things you'd like to hear and to come back please share them with me as well i'll put my details over in the chat too
5: thank you George. thank you steve for joining us that i was able to uh, participate
1: we didn't see your dog where's the the emotional support dog that we got to see yesterday
5: she's uh, probably in the other room where my wife is working in her home office (laughs) we've both been working from home now for 14 months we still have attendees or is it just uh we panelists at this point
1: yeah no we've still got quite a few everybody's just waiting for more the last little final insights (laughs) um okay you
5: hear that squawk just now
1: Yes, it sounds like you're in Costa my- Costa Rica or something. <laughs> sounds like a toucan. <laughs> yeah.
5: He's a, he's a, he's a um, Solomon Island eclectus parrot.
1: Oh, well, oh yes, you do have a parrot.
5: He turned 20 last month. We okay. have him since he was four months old.
1: Lovely. Um, I'm just going to again put my email here. Would love to hear any questions, any comments, any feedback on the panel, anything you would like to hear in relation to teletherapy and mental health events in the future. Um, My name's Faye and I look forward to hearing from some of you. Okay, there we go. All right, everybody, I'm going to close off the event. Um, Again, my details over here. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you all very soon.